Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Hello and welcome to Dark, a companion podcast to the Netflix TV series. I'm Murgles. And I'm BB. I'm Acorn. Shall we begin? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, we nailed that. Is that yeah, the first we time we've ever done that intro without fucking up? I don't In think forever. so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been a while though. <laughs> okay, so before we dive in, just want to point out, you guys know the spiel, but this is a companion podcast and not a watch along. So you want to have watched the entire series and then come to us to hang out and talk about all the deep divey stuff. We've also chosen to run the podcast as more of a discussion between friends, so we each go away with the topic for the week, we wrote our own notes, and then we come together and share it, so nobody has any sneak peeks at each other's notes. It means that we won't always get everything completely right, but it should also lend for more surprises. We want you to feel like you're in our living room discussing right along with us. Yes. Today, we are going to be talking about Claudia. Fuck yes. Yes to mm -hmm. Claudia. And also, I just want to apologize in advance. You can probably hear my my air conditioning, but it is 30 some odd degrees. Please yeah. just allow me that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think everyone will understand. I think everyone will understand. <laughs> yep. Okay, so Claudia is a big deal. And we've made it thus far. This is episode 28. So that's crazy, guys. We're almost at a full year of doing this podcast together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is We're insane. five episodes off from our planned end. Wow. Wow. I didn't think it would be that long because at the time that we planned it, we didn't factor in Radio Windens. Yep. Right? Yeah. So technically speaking, I think the original plan, we would have been done by now. I'm glad we're not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's weird to think that a project that is so long is, is nearing, nearing its end. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Um, Steer away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As this week's driver, we are going to be talking about Claudia. A couple of things. I'm going to do the dark IO readout of Claudia's life and her appearances and all that. It is a little bit on the long side, but I'm assuming that most of us have not recently watched the show or have already done your watch throughs recently, like a little while ago. And so it's nice to get a refresher of exactly what she was up to. Yeah, we also did a really good job of not talking about her too much. Yeah, so. yes. It's a nice refresher to go into her details, so there will be a little bit of reading, but there's that. But first, I have a question for you ladies. <gasps> Ooh, I'm going to ask you a question that Egon asks young Claudia that I think exemplifies the rest of her life and choices. Mm. Can you keep a secret? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Merck's just putting me on the fucking spot there. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, yes, I like to think I can keep a secret. I, you're going to have to cut this, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that in and then and the then laugh just, and then yeah. I'm just going to cut the <laughs> yeah. rest. Yeah. <laughs> I am able to keep a secret, but also in some regards, it's very hard for me. Do I think I could keep time travel and stuff secret? Yeah, probably. I think you could too. It would not surprise me if we were like holding each other's hands on our deathbeds at the age of 87 or whatever. And you just looked at me and you were like, by the way, time travel's real. I knew the whole time I would be like, that makes sense. You know, <laughs> I don't think I would hide it from you, though. Oh, I don't think I would hide it from you, too. I, I can't. I, yeah, there are like certain things and certain uh, people in my life where it's like life's too short to hide big secrets like that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it, it would depend on the secret. Am I generally speaking very good at it? Yeah. Yes. If it were a big, crazy secret, I don't know. I think I, I, I make some judgment calls sometimes where, you know, who, who's it helping by keeping the secret? Is it, yeah. is it a selfish secret? You know, that those kinds of things. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's how I feel about it. What about well, you, yeah. Acorn? Mm -hmm. I can keep a secret. 
Yeah, you can. Dude, I've, you totally can. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told multiple times that I'm a good listener and mm-hmm. people tell me things and I have no problem not repeating it. And I think that comes across to people who talk to me because I feel like I'm sitting on a lot of information that I haven't repeated, but it's also, it's not like a, a heavy thing for me. Acorn over here, no one who uh, perpetrated the JFK assassination and if whether aliens <laughs> exist or not. The or... way you said that, dude, <laughs> yeah, immediately like... makes me be like, you need to tell me every, everything. I don't, even, I don't even care. I'm not involved to tell me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Similar to PB, if it was related to time travel or something crazy big like that, I would I would probably tell you guys. I don't think I would be able to sit on that one, especially with our background with Dark and in this podcast. But yeah, you know, generally, if it's other people's secrets, it's easier for me to keep. If they're yeah. my secrets, it's harder. Oh, yeah. Because, there you go. That's yeah. that's a good that's a good way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. If somebody comes to me and is like, don't tell anyone, then I'm usually, you know, I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It It only gets weird if it's like, you know, don't tell this other person. Yeah. And that person, I feel like, deserves the truth. Then I'm like, uh, and I always say my morals get in the way. <laughs> Your paladin nature yeah. is well, like. I can't believe you just, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that. For example, I, I, I did I did have a situation where, wow, this was just get super personal here for, for a bit. When I was much, much younger, I did have a situation where one of my friends cheated on my other friend and mm. confided in me and then was like, please don't tell this other friend because I truly regret it. And I, I want to, you know, tell them in my own time and like make up for it and not lose our relationship. And so I battled with that for a very long time. But I was like, all right, it's not my secret to tell. And like literally everybody else that I talked to was just able to disconnect and be like, you know, yeah, it's not your your relationship. It's not your. But that's like it was it, it, it would be equivalent, by the way. This is how close we were to not telling one of you two. Wow. Yeah. That's how crazy it was. Like some yeah. your partner is doing this and I chose not to tell you. Um, so yeah, it was, it was very intense and I regretted it. So eventually, eventually they did find out and they found out because they, that person who originally said, you know, I, I regret it, kept doing it. And then they found photos on a phone and it had to be, I had to be like, Yes. And I also knew because they did it a year ago as well. And I'm so sorry. And I will never like I regret it. And I thought I was doing the right thing. And it was just like so then it was like two betrayals. And it was just Mm. and and then I decided I was like, never again. (laughs) (laughs) When people are like, man, I got to tell you something. I'm like, look, (laughs) here's what you got to know about me first before you tell me this thing. If you're going to tell me that you're cheating on this person, like I'm I I cannot keep that secret. So just, you know, but I'm forthcoming with that. I'm usually yeah. like, yeah. just don't fucking tell me, man. Don't tell me. I'll be yeah. I'll be innocent and walking away and I'll have no idea. None the wiser. Everyone will be happier for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the weirdest thing is that mm. I had a similar situation and I, I don't know. I feel like I'm way more nuanced today in my approach to things than I was when in like my early 20s. Like when I was in my early 20s, I was like black and white right and wrong and Mm -hmm. and i remember i had a friend who did the same thing happened they came to me they told me that they had uh cheated on another friend of mine who i was also close with and my immediate response was you're telling them today or i'm telling them today (laughs) and they you know they did the right thing they went home you know fallout of that uh but i feel like now I probably would sit with that a little bit longer, like depending on what they said to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely agree that. It wait, depends wait, wait, on wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. We just have yeah. to dive into that for a second. What do you mean, depending on what they told you? Like, do you have examples in your brain? Like, could you give us one? Mm, okay. I think in this scenario, mm-hmm. I think I'm more open to the idea of like, context and that there's yeah. not a response that size f- that fits all sizes of mm-hmm. situation yeah. like uh for example peeves if it were you who came to me and told me this that would be like 
this would be an event that would be lasting for a very long time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? An event makes this me would be think an event. You have a fucking planner. <laughs> no, you're just no. like. <laughs> well, first of all, let me I... get the wine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then, yes. We need a cheese but plate. I like... <laughs> sit down. Tell me everything. Oh I gotta bust out the napkins, the menus. I made them years okay, ago. This is know. this is the best thing to have post confession. Lots of carbs. <laughs> It'll get yes, you feeling exactly. pretty good. Yes, yes. Because I think I think that situation like that friend and I were very much on the rocks and had been for a really long time. So then it was like, oh, how could you do this thing? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I was like, I didn't really feel as much. I'd been really consistently hurt by this person. And so at that time, I wasn't I was a neutral party. Do you know what I mean? At that point, I liked their partner kind of more than I liked them anyway. And so, and that's brutal, right? Yeah. But if it were you, I feel like I, at this point in my life, I would be like, okay, here's the game plan. You know, like, here's how we're handling this together. I would be like on, I would be, I would climb into the, into the trenches with you to help you figure (laughs) it out, you know? And I think I also, my perspectives on, right and wrong have like changed a lot in the last few years of my life just from experiencing and you know doing things that I feel guilty about and realizing like coming to terms with the fact that I can like do that and then maybe still am able to live a life wherein I can experience forgiveness yeah you can just for myself you know still be a good person which like when you come from a super hyper religious upbringing that's not an yeah. option like, no, i don't no. think many people talk about that too much and you know i know we don't go into it too much here on this podcast but religion does play a, a part in dark and i do see some of that you know mentality in adam's disciples and followers and that yeah. you know and that's that's what i grew up with and I, and i did grow up with that like if you make a mistake you know or that we are inherently bad and we have to constantly be trying to be good to make up for that badness that original sin that sin that sits within us all and boy is it a liberating experience when you kind of look at that perspective with a shift of without the religion where you Mm -hmm. look at it as just people make mistakes it's not Mm -hmm. that they have this inherent badness or inherent goodness you can still be a good person you in fact are still a good person outside of the fact that you will make mistakes and or do the best that you think you're capable like do the best that you can yes and maybe that best is not someone else's best or maybe the situation calls for a version of that best that you can't you know all that kind of stuff that best disappoints you later yeah you look back on it and go oh i'm so disappointed in how i behaved that way or you know in in how i handled that situation but when you break it down you go well honestly look at where i was at you know Mm -hmm. uh, this is the life experience that i had up until that point so you know i did carry a lot of we'll go back to that example of you know the the my friend confiding in me about cheating and not telling my other friend so the other friend and i are 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 quite close still um and i i did carry that regret for a very long time and um you know far longer than they did they they forgave me uh, nearly instantly oh i completely understand but for me i just was like i i really messed up and had i said something sooner but it, nothing would have prevented that pain it would have hurt either way the only difference is that i would have been a little bit more prepared to be there and be present because I could physically at that time be there and be present. Whereas the second time when they found out they were alone, yeah, you know, instead of having somebody there to be like, I have to tell you something that's going to suck, but I'm here. And that is when I broke it down, I was able to see where my guilt was coming from, that I mm-hmm. wasn't there. I didn't feel like I could be there. So then I could appropriately apologize or ask for forgiveness based on that am I disappointed that I kept this secret? You know, yes. But if I were to just say, I'm sorry, I hid this from you, then, you know, what, what can they say? I'm glad that you can keep a secret for someone, you know, that's admirable, but that's not why I actually feel like shit, what I actually feel like shit about. And so if, if I apologize for that and then they offer forgiveness for that, you walk away still feeling empty. So you really need to be able to articulate what it is, 
you know, why you feel badly before you ask someone for forgiveness. That way you can actually feel relief. So when I was finally able to say, I just feel like I wasn't there for you. And really I was trying to, you know, juggle everything for you and do the best thing for you. And in the end, I, I let you down and I, I wanted to be there for you during this painful time. Right. So Claudia does the same thing, right? She doesn't, she doesn't really ask anyone for forgiveness except for, you can tell she feels horrific guilt around Aegon. Mm -hmm. She never really breaks down why she feels guilty about Aegon. Does she feel guilty about not telling him? I don't think so. I think she feels guilty that she, well, she might feel guilty in not telling him, but I think she feels more guilty in that he was so close to the truth and she didn't, you know, like he died not ever solving that even though he was right all along. She also makes the active decision to let him die and yeah. leaves him to yeah. die, which yeah. I think like in order to maintain the timeline and also in order to keep that information from getting out further, because right before then he does kind of figure out that that's what's happening. He says, you're in on this and she loses it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a lovely segue into Claudia. We are going to talk about Claudia. I'm just going to give a quick, well, <laughs> as quick as possible, breakdown of what Claudia does in the show and her portion of the narrative and her part in all this. Claudia's been around the wind and block a couple times. So her, yeah. her background, I'm sure we have a lot to, uh, to recap and cover for her timeline. Yes. Claudia Tiedemann. This is from the dark.netflix.io, which is where we get all of our summations of this information. Claudia Tiedemann. She has one blue and one brown eye, but that's not the only thing that makes Claudia Tiedemann a remarkable individual. Claudia is a high achiever at school, and her parents Aegon and Doris hope she'll study at university one day. She's very interested in Trant, who moves into her parents' home with his mother Agnes. While they are on a walk through the woods one day, Claudia's pet poodle Gretchen runs into the Winden Caves and never returns. Uh, so this is a big jump in time here. Okay. On the night of Mads Nielsen's disappearance, his father Trant is with Claudia. They're having an affair. Claudia is a single mother to Regina, but she has little time for her daughter outside of work. Claudia is the only one who knows who Regina's father is. In November 1986, Claudia reaches the pinnacle of her career. She is made director of the nuclear power plant in Winden. On her first day, she learns there was a nuclear incident in the summer that has since been covered up. Her predecessor, Bernd Doppler, convinces her not to go public. He shows Claudia an access point to the Winden Caves on the plant site where she discovers countless yellow barrels filled with nuclear waste. On another visit to the caves beneath the nuclear power plant, Claudia comes across a poodle with an uncanny resemblance to her childhood pet Gretchen, who went missing in 1953. The dog seems to recognize her, and Claudia decides to keep it, calling her Gretchen. To close off access to the barrels, she hires young Alexander Tiedemann to weld a door in the caves. Alexander will eventually end up marrying her daughter, Regina. In the summer of 1987, Claudia receives a visit from an older woman in her office. The woman claims to be Gretchen's owner, which is true, seeing as the woman is indeed an older version of Claudia. She was the one who brought Gretchen from 1953 to 1986. The woman shows Claudia the time machine and explains that she must stop a man called Adam if she wants to save her daughter Regina. Claudia follows the instructions she was given by her older self and digs up a portable time machine in her yard. She goes to the clockmaker to learn how it works. Claudia uses the time machine to travel to 2020. There she sees her grown-up daughter Regina ill with cancer. Claudia reads about the past 33 years in the library's newspaper archives and learns of her own disappearance in 1987. As she assesses data from the nuclear power plant in 1986, Claudia finds evidence that proves the existence of the god particle. It's a scientific sensation, but her predecessor Bernd dampens her enthusiasm. He insists she can't both make her discovery known and conceal the accident, so Claudia continues her research in secret. Claudia learns about the death of her father Aegon in the library archives in 2020. The newspaper reported he was found dead in his apartment on June 27, 1987. Although she has little contact with her father, the news upsets her and she tries to persuade him to move in with her and Regina. The conversation ends in conflict and Aegon falls, striking his head. Claudia doesn't call for assistance and he dies. Mm. Claudia is visited by young Jonas Kahnwald. 
They go to the Winden Caves and he uses her time machine to reactivate the time travel passage. Together, they travel to 2020 when Claudia visits her daughter. Regina is sick with cancer and hasn't seen her mother in 33 years. After a tearful reunion, they seek shelter in the bunker and survive the apocalypse. In the months after the apocalypse, Claudia and Regina are living together in the former police station. Claudia spends her days in the bunker searching for a way to travel back in time while Regina is bedridden at home. She returns one evening to find her daughter dead. Mm. A few days later, Claudia receives another visit from herself. This time, she's the same age, but from Afa's world. The visitor warns her about Adam and tries to bring her to the light side. She tells Claudia to guide Jonas, Noah, and Elizabeth and gives her a leather notebook containing all the information she needs to know. Claudia suspects the god particle is in the ruins of the nuclear power plant. She once again meets Jonas and they discover the passage in the caves has collapsed. Claudia's portable time machine is no longer working. She wins his trust by promising she will stabilize the god particle, thus creating a time travel portal. Together with Noah and Jonas, Claudia spends decades trying to create a functional time travel portal in the nuclear power plant. But it's not working. Noah begins to doubt Claudia's motives. He's right. At Ava's urging, Claudia has deliberately delayed progress of the project. Claudia eventually realizes that neither Adam nor Ava have plans to save Regina, so she takes matters into her own hands. When she meets Claudia from Ava's world, she shoots her and takes her golden time travel sphere. From then on, she pretends to be Claudia from Aifa's world. Aifa gives her the blueprints for the time machine that the clockmaker will later build. Claudia brings Trant to Regina's grave in 2053. She tells him he's not her father and asks him to kill her daughter in 2020. Regina must die to give Claudia the drive she needs to get to the bottom of things. Sorry to interrupt there, but that's a, that's a scene that I particularly enjoy um, for character development. So just to note... She asks him to do this because she acknowledges she cannot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will not be able to do this myself because I, yeah. I just, I know myself well enough that I, I love her too much to do it myself. I won't be able to do what I did with my dad. Uh, I thought that was important. Yeah, for sure. Claudia and Jonas finally manage to activate the time travel portal in the former power plant. She instructs Jonas to close the passage in the caves in 2019 and gives her her broken time machine. She then tears the back pages out of her notebook and travels back in time. When teenage Jonas travels through time to prevent his father's suicide, old Claudia interrupts and explains to Jonas and Mikhail that some things shouldn't be undone. She says that Jonas's role in the course of things is larger than he expects. Claudia then leaves the Convald house together with Jonas. In November 2019, as Peter Doppler and Trant are standing bewildered in the front of Mads Nielsen's body in the bunker, Old Claudia enters and convinces the men to leave the dead boy in the woods. She claims she wants to straighten out time to prevent the death of Mads and the other children. Claudia leaves them her notebook as proof, but it's missing the last few pages. In November 1953, an old woman in worn military gear enters the clockmaker's workshop. Claudia is bringing him the blueprints to build a time machine. Claudia visits Adam in 2053 in the ruins of the nuclear power plant. He's just killed Martha, who was pregnant, and is beginning to realize that his plan to wipe out the world hasn't worked. Claudia explains that Ava has used quantum entanglement, meaning there is another pregnant Martha who is still alive. Ava has always been one step ahead of him, causing Adam to fall short each time. But this is the first time Claudia and Adam are having this conversation. Claudia tells Adam about the existence of a third world, the original world, which has been broken down into two parts due to an unfortunate event. She tells them that it's possible to undo the event, ensuring Adam and Ava's worlds would never exist. Claudia is sharing this information in her own interest because the original world is the only one in which Regina doesn't get cancer. Claudia visits her younger self in the nuclear power plant and tells her about the existence of time travel. She claims there is a time machine buried in her yard and that the clockmaker can explain how it works. She then travels to 1954, buries her time machine on a building plot where her future house will stand. She gives the clockmaker the book he will later write, apologizes to her father Aegon, and discusses Sigmundus and her mother Doris with Agnes Nielsen. On the same day, Agnes tells Noah that Claudia has the final pages from the leather notebook. Noah finds Claudia in the woods and kills her with a rifle. She calmly faces her own death. After all, she was expecting it. So that is the full 
brief overview (laughs) in terms of details because there's so much. And I will be posting a link in the show notes to a chronological timeline of every scene that Claudia is in. So if you want, you can go check that out and watch all of her scenes in chronological order. So considering the fact that we discussed in our science and time travel episode about the fact that we believe that Claudia, despite the fact that they say that that was the first time that you know, Claudia and Adam were having that conversation and the show says that Claudia is the one who breaks the timeline. We have a theory that we posit that, in fact, it was through the observation of the show in a Schrodinger's cat, (laughs) yeah, a Schrodinger's cat, Schrodinger's box situation is what actually breaks the timeline. And I will posit some evidence for this. Yes, perfect. Okay. Claudia has heterochromia And we have always wondered why her eyes were two different colors. And in my Mm -hmm. opinion, Claudia represents the existence of two states within the box and that she carries that through almost every part of her story. So whether she's meeting with herself, whether she kills her own self, her other Eric Lux version, uh, the fact that she has a blue eye and a brown eye is just an example of the fact that she occupies two states and represents it is, in fact, a Schrodinger's box situation i love yep. that i will back that up by the people who time travel or who who go frequently their eye colors change mm-hmm. so it's that influence from the other box yep i i thumbs up to that yeah yeah <laughs> i also suddenly started realizing if we're if we're discussing this idea of two states the mirror image of one another the mirror image of life being death I am taking a moment to step back and to think of the timeline and to think of the show, despite the fact that everything in the show has always been in rules of three almost, but the origin world is never pictured. It's only ever shown the two states, the two universes that we see, and then the two mirror images of those combating with each other. Yeah. So that was another thing that I was like, oh, okay, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So Claudia is obviously one of the most interesting characters in the show, just in terms of the fact that she really takes it upon herself. Her desire to save her daughter overrides almost everything. She disappears from her daughter's life for 33 years. She keeps these secrets and deposits information like a sage throughout the entire timeline to each person that needs it. She seems to have the overarching understanding of how all of this works, that she takes it from Eret Lux and that she takes it from Sigmundus. And that to me is super interesting because it's just, it's almost inhuman, almost, you know, I don't know. Like she's just super perceptive and was able to pick up on all the stuff. I just can't imagine doing that personally, which doesn't necessarily (laughs) mean that it's inhuman, but I just mean like the dedication with which she, she does this, these machinations, this life that she lives, which is very long life, uh, completely out of time to some extent. Yeah, I just find it fascinating. I'm not sure there are any other characters in the show that would be able to do that. Uh, I just want to jump on the train here. I'm so glad that, uh, because I wasn't sure how you were going to break down the episode today, but we need to talk about Claudia as a character in fiction and TV. She's the only one of her kind, in my opinion. Yep. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just mini love letter into the ways in which I love Claudia. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Please, desperately. Okay. First of all, it is nice to see a very capable, strong uh, female character in a show that her entire character development isn't wrapped around her love interest. Yes. There is a little bit of that in just that, you know, she does have a daughter and it's kind of uh, unsure as to who the father is of Regina. And that's a little bit of a mystery. And that's, but it doesn't, it's not the only aspect that we see of her. In fact, it is quite little. We see her kind of interest in Trant when they're very young. Um, and then when we do find out it's burned, it's a bit of a shock because their relationship up until that point seems pretty professional other than when she says, why didn't you tell me when I go knowing what we know now, when you go back and you watch that scene where she's like, you hid this from me, there's an extra bit of context there that I quite like, but okay. So the ways in which I love Claudia, she's empathetic and Mm -hmm. I, we don't see very often strong, empathetic women in fiction. So 
She's incredibly empathetic. She's also incredibly wise to herself. She learns. So let's go back and think about that timeline that we just covered. So she finds that article about her dad dying and she tries to stop it. Yep. And then learns she can't. It, it's it, she learns the hard way, in fact, and it's very hard on her and it's very difficult she still decides to try. So if you think about like, we've got Claudia for origin world, we've got Adam for world one, and we've got Marta for world two. That's kind of how I look at it. And they're all mm -hmm. gunning for their goal, right? So you've got Jonas, who doesn't really learn, in my opinion. He tries to do things, fails, and then just lets it change him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't keep trying. He doesn't have the tenacity that Claudia has. He gives in to, okay, well, determinism is a thing. We can't stop it from happening. So I'm just going to destroy this world and then everyone will be free. And Claudia is like, no, there has got to be a way and I will, I will figure it out. But the way in which she learns is from a place of empathy. And I've never seen a character like that before. She learns she cannot handle having to kill her her dad she gets to have she gets to have closure with him because when she's older she sits down in that office and says mm -hmm. you're too good of a person dad you know like or well she doesn't say dad but you know you're, you're a good too person. good for this world yeah you're too mm -hmm. good for this world so she's able to have a little bit of that closure and that empathy for him um but she learns that she cannot do it when it comes to Regina and she's strong enough not to try it anyway. She then basically appeals to Trant and says, I will move heaven and earth to stop this. So you need to do it at a time in which I'm not around and I don't know, but it needs to be done. And you have to trust me. We have to, this is the only way mm -hmm. we have to do what has been done, you know, that kind of thing. So, and she is learning and she is empathetic to everybody else's feelings. She's constantly asking like, are people okay? She seems so sad when she meets young Jonas because she knows what's going to happen to him. And I think she even has a line in there that she says to him, you know, about light and dark and betrayal that when you realize she's talking about him to himself, it's amazing. Yeah. She's also wickedly smart. She's a tutor. She takes over a company. She's a single mother. What are all of the other things I love about Claudia? My God. She does have that patience, uh, perseverance. I just, I cannot think of another character like her in a TV show. And I, yeah. I tried. You know, on that note too, in a show that is based on the bonds between people and families and parents yeah. and children, it's interesting to see a character who has the same intensity of a bond but she's not held back by it yeah you know what i mean she has she's she's able to stand alone she's able to go out and accomplish things that the things that she's trying to do without being because when you think about it like because like when you think about it katarina is so focused on trying to get ulrich and mickle back that it leads to her death at the hands of her yeah. mother because she's just yeah. so fixedly like it it almost consumes her but with claudia it's almost like she creates a distance between that bond she's able to think about what she needs to do without having so much of the emotion and passion carrying her away does that make any sense yeah, but it's so for me, it's the reverse. Well, I mean, I, I see that from the outside. That's what it looks like. But I actually yeah. think it is her passion and her empathy and her her emotion that is driving her. And I've I've just I've never seen uh, and maybe it's because the one of the writers is this way or they know someone that is this way that is super empathetic and caring, but can but uses that to drive them forward, either in business mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. But for me, when I look at, you know, every scene that Claudia is in with someone, well, maybe not every scene, but most of her scenes in relation to other people bring about their character change, their character arc. Her moment yeah. with Noah, knowing he's going to kill her, she still speaks kindly to him. I wish I could have spared you, but I had to do this. So I lied to you. I'm, 
I'm sorry. She's showing remorse, not for her own skin, but that ends up propelling Noah forward into his character arc. You know, her conversations with Jonas propel him forward. Even her conversation with her dad, where he's like realizing and she's realizing what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like everything Claudia touches is her her observation of the people around her that she cares about. She just like listens, takes it in asks questions she's like she comes off super cold in the first three times i watched this show and then i went back and watched some key scenes after your bomb acorn about you know what that it isn't until we observe it and that she's always been this way and then i went okay so then what does that mean about her character if she's always been this way then She's always been this tenacious. She's always had this drive. She's always been, and then the, all the evidence points to that as well. She's always been super caring. She's always been strong and empathetic. Yeah. And that's, think, you know, not a weakness. And we see that a lot in characters, you know, like, yeah. oh, toughen up. Or you see the naivety paired with empathy. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like, oh, you're just, you're not wise enough to the world. Yeah. It's like every other character, their emotionality is their undoing. Every yes. other character, mm-hmm. their, their feelings mm-hmm. and their passion and their their emotions mm-hmm. for the things that are happening are primarily the undoing of them. Jonas has these emotions and his response is to shut himself down and to completely, you know, like, I have to destroy the world. I'm going to cut all of yeah. all emotion out. And I mean, on a grander scale, like you were saying, peeps, it's this idea of like emotions, empathy and being able to move with your emotions as opposed to not against in order to succeed is just something that we're so used to seeing everywhere and everything. And I think it's a bigger issue of how we discuss people who experience empathy and emotion. And it doesn't have to be the thing that is your undoing. And it doesn't, you know, you can still be effective and smart and quick and you can still do all these things and succeed while carrying that emotionality with you. And in fact, that empathy is what actually drives you in doing so. And I agree that there's, I can't really think of many characters in TV or movies, or I just can't think of many where their emotionality is not a detractor or something that they have to overcome in order to succeed something. Whereas we see that, you know, most frequently. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you can think of one, please email and, and, or reach out and tell me, because I do want to know, because I I did think really hard about it because usually if you get smarts, you get cold. Yeah. And if you get emotion, you get weakness. Mm -hmm. And I really tried hard to think about any, any character at all, but specifically women that are presented in fiction that are in tune with their emotions and their feelings. And it wasn't, and also smart and it wasn't a weakness that they were trying to overcome. Yeah. It wasn't like their ultimate failing or like they get only so far, but their emotions kick in and then suddenly they make a mistake. You know what I mean? And some of this is, is a bit personal, uh, for me, because I, I feel that way about myself. I am a very empathetic and emotionally driven person. And I feel like uh, I have grown up a lot of my life feeling like that is a failing or something that I need to control or reel in or whatever and blah, 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 disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Uh, and then it wasn't until going back and re-envisioning Claudia that I realized, holy shit, I don't connect with Charlotte I connect with Claudia or I want to connect with Claudia. I don't want to become Charlotte and Charlotte's pretty detached from her emotions. She's not really aware, uh, you know, and she kind of denies them. I don't do that. So in that way, I am more similar to Claudia where I can shut that off to do what I need to do, but you're not shutting it out. It's prioritizing or it's realizing like I need to feel this way so that I can get through what I am trying to do. I just need to shift my feelings or sitting in that feeling, sitting in that feeling of determination is, this is so hard for me to articulate. But when I go back and I watch those scenes, the emotions all over her face Mm -hmm. in every scene, she's in it. She's feeling, she's not cold like Charlotte. It's just, yeah, it's incredible. She's an incredible character. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. The wisdom of knowing that your suffering is what you need in order to do what needs to be done. Yeah. That your emotional turmoil is a part of it. 
there's yeah. something really beautiful about Claudia's wholehearted acceptance of this suffering, pain, loss, all of those things, because mm-hmm. she knows that it is necessary in order to reach the ultimate good or the ultimate goal. Yeah. And she she really does envision a, a, a world without wind, Winden. You know, she envisions a world that's better for everybody. Yes, she wants to do it for Regina, but I think that that's, I think it can be multiple things. I think in seeing, going back and watching her scenes with everyone, just how compassionate she is to their suffering as well, regardless of whether they're on her side or not. Like, think about that scene with Alt Marta, where she could be a total angry person, but she just kindly says, it became clear to me, neither of you had the interest of Regina in mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have to do it. Could have been an argument of you lied to me. Look at Noah. It could have been something like that. But sorry, just to jump on because I know yeah. Acorn has something now, but it just hits me. It, you know, neither of you had Regina in mind is a reminder of neither of you have the other people in mind. Yes. You only yeah. have yourself that. in mind. Regina yep. is a stand in for everyone because yes. they don't have stakes, but she has stakes in Regina, but she also has yeah. stakes in them. Do you know what yep. I mean? Yep. So Solid point. I do think, and this goes back to our our other uh, theory that we posited, where it was that Regina represents Winden or mm-hmm. like everybody and everyone mm-hmm. has cancer and, you know, the, the world will suffer until they can get their act together. And it's crazy because Jonas says that to her. He says, and I quote, you and I, we are the reasons that all of this happens time and time again, because you can't let go of what you want. And I can't let go of what I want. Mm. It's very much like, this is what I want. This is what you want. And nobody will give up. Now, I know we were talking about, you know, we talked about mythology and how the show relates to works of fiction and literature ages ago now. But it's just because of the show that I'm on called Midsummer Mysteries, where um, I was given a scene to read from Midsummer Night's Dream. And I'm a little shook that maybe we didn't catch this earlier, but is this not Titania and Oberon? Oh. Where they both are fighting and the world's being destroyed because they both won't let go of what they want. Now, I haven't, that's like one of the plays I have not read, but it just struck me because Titania says, it's a beautiful monologue actually, where she basically says the the world is changing in ways we don't recognize or expect. Crops are dying. The, the, the tides are different. Everyone is angered and out of balance because of our arguments. Um, and the mortals, they don't know any better. They don't know any differently now. And this same progeny of evil comes from our debate, from our dissension. We are their parents and original which is literally exactly where the reason all of this happens time and yeah. time again, because you can't let go of what I want uh, and I can't let go of what I, yeah. So it's, it just mm. struck me. And I only, I only had read that scene yesterday. So it's super relevant in my brain, but I just thought that that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't read the play, so I don't know what the rest of it is about or if anybody wins. And obviously there's no time travel, but there is some supernatural element to it because they're fa- in a fairy realm. So I thought yeah. that was interesting. Sorry, which play yeah. is it? That is um, Midsummer Night's Dream, Shakespeare. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. God, it's mm-hmm. been forever since I read that. But yeah, that's that's a great catch. It mm-hmm. does feel like that same kind of opposing forces working against each other for their own reasons. And it's the idea that the realms, you yeah. know, because they're from separate separate realms. So I think that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Real quick, when you positioned not being able to think of another character who yeah. works from a place of empathy, mm-hmm. I sat here and thought about it for a little bit. And the only person I can think of off the top of my head is Diana from the new Wonder Woman movies. Uh, I haven't. I, I think I saw the first one. Yeah. The first one is the one I'm thinking of. I haven't seen 1984 or whatever mm-hmm. the date is, mm. <laughs> but I feel like she's a more perhaps naive version of Claudia because Diana works from a place of empathy and emotion and seeing the whole picture wanting to help everyone. But the whole, the conflict, the tension is the fact that she believes that men are inherently uh, good and it's the God Aries that is corrupting them. And it's her coming to terms with the fact that maybe 
men and mankind are not inherently good and what that means and everything. But anyway, she's the only character I can think of has empathy and it leads to her strength. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, It's been a while since I watched that movie. I think, though, that even in that case, there is an element of the narrative that has her, like you said, posited in this sort of like innocent and naive way where yeah, she carries that empathy, that. but then she needs to she needs to learn the ways exactly. of mankind yeah. and the ways of the world. Versus so. Claudia is very self-possessed, self-contained, intelligent yeah. from the beginning. And honestly, as I was thinking about Claudia more, her intelligence really comes through early and often. So her being yes. a tutor for Helga when she was just, yep. you know, what, 10 or something. And it's it's like a, a social intelligence that yes. she has as well. Not only is she academically very smart, but she you see her going for Trant, but you see her aware of other people's feelings yeah. for him as well. Yeah. Uh, and just like she's very socially observant as well people smart she's people smart too and i i really appreciate that uh, yeah. about her but yeah there's no there's no naiveness about her ever i can't think of another character where if you're empathetic mm-hmm. you the implication is that you will grow wise and lose that empathy yeah yeah when yeah, you yeah, become yeah. smarter with the ways of the world and and she doesn't yeah sorry marks what were you gonna say I was just going to say, you know, I'm thinking of the fact that she is very self-possessed and and intelligent and she Mm -hmm. takes these lessons. She meets Trant. She has an immediate attraction to Trant. And I'm reminded of a scene and I might need to go back and check the order. But I believe Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of the scene when Bernd Doppler gives her the money and she says, oh, this is too much. And he says, let me give you a life lesson. When you want something, just take it. You know, and then I believe it's after that that she decides to go after Trant and say, like, take your pants off and stuff and like shows up in his room completely naked. And it's that. Oh, that's a good point. It's that image of like she is constantly absorbing information and Mm -hmm. allowing that new information to dictate her behavior. And she takes action on that stuff, you know, like she she just accepts that as this is new data. I will now act accordingly. (laughs) Like the radio, you know, the radio broadcast in the police station. She at that point in the timeline, she's kind of floundering. She's in post-apocalyptic landscape trying to keep Regina alive. And in the background, there's this news broadcast about this group of scientists in another country realizing that time stands still for one moment during the apocalypse. And then she somehow takes that information and everything else about her character and extrapolates upon it to get yes. to the point where she's yep. exploiting the timeline and playing mm-hmm. Adam and Ava at the same time. She's she may be one of the smartest characters I've ever seen depicted. I, I agree yeah. with that. I'm going to back it up with two quotes uh-huh. um, <laughs> from her. She here's a quote. I tried to understand how everything can be reborn from the same family tree until I realized we're not all a part of that knot. Both worlds are an ulcer that must have grown from something else. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what it is, but she's figured that out. Yeah. She doesn't know that it's Ten House and his everything that he's done to lead to this moment, but she's figured that part out. It's like she's constantly trying to solve this puzzle with what limited information that she has. And in, in that moment, I think you realize She's the only one that's trying to solve this puzzle. Yeah. Yep. This puzzle. The big puzzle. The big, the macro versus Mm -hmm. the micro. And everybody else is on the micro. Everybody else is, I'm hurt. I can't be with you. I want to be with you, but everything's messed up and I won't let go. Yep. And this is what I want and I'm going to do it. And nobody is looking at the big picture except for Claudia. Absolutely. And it's it's just, it's backed up by everything else in her character. Every other decision that they made for her in that show wasn't a decision. It's just what she would have done. You know, the fact that she's a very strong businesswoman. Yeah. Of course, because you couldn't be if you didn't have that macro vision. You can't be a CEO if you can't look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. She's the only one that could have done this, man. Yeah. She's the yeah. only one. And I love that. Yeah. Fucking hell. That's great. <laughs> I think it's also interesting to note that 
she understands that there's an existence of an original timeline and she yes. understands that they that there's something else going on she has that drive to find that macro and i do find it interesting that she is one of the only ones who exists outside the timeline in the original world like of course it makes sense that Jonas and and yeah. Marta could not keep the macro. They don't exist. How can they? Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yep. they are the ones who will disappear eventually. And so to some extent, yeah, she is the only one who could figure it out because she's the only one who, I mean, she's not the only one who exists in the original timeline, you know, but yeah. she's, she's outside of it in the way that she's not enmeshed as much. Yeah. With, yeah. Wait, that's when you think about it. No, you're absolutely right. Because Tanhouse is re restricted and limited by his grief and mm -hmm. Regina is distracted and consumed by her cancer and everyone else are just kind of side players. And Claudia, Claudia is empowered by her yes. grief and her drive and her yeah. emotion. Yes. Yeah, it's it's very good. I will just that second quote that I was going to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back. No, it backs you up, Mergs, because you said she's aware of an origin world somehow. She's aware of the three. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they aren't, I don't think Jonas isn't at least in the very beginning, like Claudia seems to be the first one that picks up on that. She then says, it's like an ulcer. If you remove it, you destroy everything that was born of it, but you keep everything alive that already existed in the origin world. So not only is she aware of it, but she understands the consequences of what is to come, but she knows it is perhaps the best thing for everyone. It's the best thing for Wyndon. Yep. Yeah. And I think in that moment, it's like, again, I am trying to save my daughter, but it's not, I feel like there's just so much empathy in her character that it's not just Regina. She's yeah. trying to save Regina, but she's trying to save Wyndon and everybody in it. And um, she's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Agreed. Yeah, I think there is something to be said about the idea of like, you know, she could be pushed with her grief and she can be, you know, galvanized and empowered by these things. But also, I do wonder if there's a little part of her that is unknown subconscious that recognizes that this is her world that is not the way it's supposed to be and that she belongs to another version of it that is supposed to be something different. And Adam and Ava fighting for the versions of their world where they exist is not the same as her knowing that there is a fundamental inconsistency. This is her world almost. Do you know what I mean? Like this belongs mm -hmm. to me and this is happening in a place where my daughter is supposed to live, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I, I look back at the scenes with Claudia in them, two of them come to mind because for a while I couldn't understand. Like I thought that her motivation came from regret. So if you go back and listen to the episode where I think we first talked about uh, Regina and Claudia and how I felt like, okay, she wasn't around a lot and then regretted it and then tried to kind of like make up for that. I don't actually think that that's true. And I mean, obviously, now that we've shifted our perspective, it's not true at all. She was given more information and then she acted on it. Go back and watch those scenes where, because um, I believe there's two where she is standing in the backyard watching Regina. Oh, yeah. And missing. Mm. And it's heartbreaking to watch it, knowing what we know now and knowing that she's like, this was another thing I just had to do. I had to stay away. But also, she couldn't. She went to the backyard to look mm -hmm. and check up on her. Again, emotion, empathy, driven character that still gets it done, still gets yeah. the job done. Yeah. And in fact, it's not still gets the job done, gets the job done because of that, yeah. because of her empathy and her emotion and her passion. Yeah. That's why I love Claudia. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I really actually like the fact that we talked about Claudia as a character and peppered in some things about the show because so much happens behind the scenes with the way that she exploits the, uh, what's it called? The glitch, <laughs> the glitch yeah. during the apocalypse. So much of that happens oh, yeah. on the back end before she appears to Adam at the very end that a lot of it is guesswork. I think we have enough, enough breadcrumbs and I'd love to go into this maybe in like a radio wind in somewhere about how mm -hmm. 
the quote unquote science of the show makes this happen. I think it actually relates to what I discovered about season three, Martha mm-hmm. and Jonas, and the fact that there are multiple versions of themselves simultaneously existing. I think the same thing applies to Claudia, but what is consistent and visible throughout the whole show is who she is as a person, as a character. So I like the fact that we talked about just her and her personality and her empathy and who she is. Um, I think we can actually go into all the side stuff maybe before the the podcast ends. Yeah. Yeah. We got time for that. Yeah. So that, that it's crazy because I also went through looking at, I've been doing this thing when we do these character studies or when we look at them, which we haven't done one quite like this in a while. Mm-hmm. So I am also glad we talked about her character and, and, and things like that. Um, but, uh, I, I go around and I look to see what the community and the fans of Dark think about that character to see if people like hate her or like her. And there's actually a, quite a bit of people that go, she's more important than Jonas. Like in these rankings of the most important characters yeah. in Dark, Jonas is usually the first one. And then, but in a lot of these lists, I see Claudia is like two, but a lot of people are like, no, she's the most important person in Dark. And they do a beautiful job of subverting the expectation that the first person you see is going to be the most in character. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, we relate to Jonas and we love Jonas, but it would have been a very different story and telling had they started with Claudia, I think. But yeah, it's it's crazy. And also, I just there's one other thing I want to mention because I feel like we're 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 done with Claudia now. But the fact that her dad calls her the white devil. Yeah. God, that must hurt. Yeah. Especially since he first says it to her in his dying moments. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where it is like Claudia is the true mother of the show. She does what needs to be done in mm-hmm. order to raise everyone properly. And yep. you may not yep. like her and you may be mad at the things that she does. And you may think yeah. that she's the white devil, but you do not have all of the information and she needs to be making these decisions for you. You know, is <laughs> yeah, that kind yeah, of the vibe that I get? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And like, there are a couple of other things I'm just remembering. When she first meets Trump, she asks questions like is your mom happy here are you okay like yeah she she and, Empathetic and it's not questions just, yeah she's yeah i just remember that like she she does do that oh man she catches okay. agnes and doris and she understands and later on she says you know like my mom doesn't understand that i understand like i'm old enough to yeah. know yeah. what's going on and i will not do that i won't be that kind of mom yeah i don't know man i i she's great. yeah she's amazing okay Well, I just want to include one thing in the show notes, and that is, can we just really quickly, we're going to have to cut out this while I look it up, but I'm pretty sure she's the last person we see disappear in the show as well. That'd be a good detail. I think that that is really important. Yeah. And also, I just want to include her scene because she's looking at a photo of Regina before she dies. Oh, that's right. What a wonderful world is playing. So they show Jonas, they show Marta, then they show Claudia. And that means something. Yeah. Yes, it does. Claudia is the last person that you see. And I'll include this scene. Claudia is the last person that you see as the worlds are disappearing. They show Jonas. It's making me emotional watching it again. I'm sorry, because she she cries as she's going. And it's like relief. Like I did it. Yep. Yeah. 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 And she looks at the timeline on the wall and then closes her eyes. And then it takes her like... Dude, it's pretty powerful. That's making me tear up. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so we see world one, world two, and then origin world, and then they go. Yeah. It's dude. And that is also my defense as to why Claudia is the most important (laughs) (laughs) character in dark. Yep. They save her for last. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank yep. you so much for listening to our episode about Claudia today. If you have Versus anything like, to add, shut the fuck up about no, Claudia I'm not. now. No, I'm not. No, I'm with you. It's I'm with fine, you a hundred percent. Also, like, mm-hmm. I want to just oh, fine. I will do my last little spiel as well because uh-huh. I also want to say how fucking refreshing, brilliant, and wonderful it was to see a middle-aged woman, Dude, an elderly yeah, woman, too. be the hero the powerhouse the solution to the entire show because like yeah doing it without your permission (laughs) yeah sorry (laughs) but like 
is that a weird thing to say no but not like, at all she's like i'm just, taking control of this now yeah everyone. and i'm gonna go <laughs> off and do this thing and we didn't even need narrative permission no she just yeah. did it it yeah. was fucking great man yeah it was fucking great okay Thank you for listening yep. to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it. Of course, if we've missed anything, you can email us at darkcompanionpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Radio Winden or individually. Of course, special thanks to Johnny Caballero for letting us use the beautiful cover art. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny Knight, and that is spelled J-H-O-N-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T. We're also proudly part of the Geek Generation Network. You can find more awesome podcasts related to cool nerdy things like TV, comics, and movies at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you so much for diving into dark with us, and we will be back next Thursday with a Radio Winden. But following that, we will be back with episode 29, which is Marta. Marta. Oh, shit. Another doozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. I, sh- I feel like I should have given you guys a heads up that I was going to be like, Claudia is more important. So let's reverse it and do what they like. Jonas, <laughs> Marta and then Claudia. But no, it's it's fine. I'm so sorry. Thanks so much for listening. Is that it? Were you about to send us? Yeah, off? yeah, yeah. Thank you so much Ta-da! for listening. Have a wonderful week. Bye.